Have you ever noticed that, like, if you ate breakfast really early and then lunch is, is late, that you start to get a little hungry? Has anyone ever felt that pain before? Maybe you're feeling that right now. And you're like, hurry up. I got a lunch date, Bren. Like, get to this. There's this, there's this desire in us, and it, it's pretty easy for all of us. Like, if I say hungry, most of us can relate to that. Most of us can relate at some point, at, at whatever state in life, we have been hungry or we have been thirsty. But the, but the problem is, is that this insatiable desire inside of us can't really, it doesn't just stop at food. Like, if we're really honest with ourselves, whether we believe in God or not, if we're really truly honest with ourselves, we'd recognize that at times we, we hunger for other things. We hunger for um, maybe a, a better career, or we hunger or, or we thirst for, for a different relationship or, or a status or, or, or some kind of identity. We find ourselves longing to, to be known for something. We find ourselves longing for things like alcohol or drugs or relationships. And we, we start, start trying to fill those, those hungers or those thirsts. And, and what ends up happening inevitably with everything, no matter whether it's I want to have a child or I want to be married, all good things, everything leaves us still hungry. We're still hungry for more. We're still thirsty for more. There's no perfect boy that, that, that solves the problem. There's no this grade is good enough, or I've arrived at this spot in my career, or this is enough money, or this house is big enough. doesn't matter what it is. If it's in this world, inevitably, everything ends up leaving kind of ashes in our hands and leaving us with a feeling of guilt and restlessness. This, this, this desire of, of, of frustration, maybe, where, where the hunger doesn't seem to, doesn't seem to go any, any, like, doesn't subside long enough. In fact, it, 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 we're drinking from broken cisterns. So we keep, no matter how, how much we fill, it doesn't seem to do. No matter, um, we eat bread, we, we try and satisfy ourselves as much as possible. We're never fully satisfied. Maybe at the moment we had a great steak, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm fat and happy. But, but you're, you're hungry just a little bit later. And you just keep going. It doesn't matter what it is in this world. You find yourself hungry. In fact, the longer and longer you go in this world, you can probably relate to C.S. Lewis's words when he says, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. See, what do you hunger or thirst for? We've been working through the Beatitudes and in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been talking about Jesus and Matthew laying them out for basically making the case that Jesus is the King. He's the Messiah. He's the one that that everyone had waited for. And as we've been digging into these, into these Beatitudes, I, I keep warning you and concerning, like they're so pragmatic and so applicable, but don't let yourself just run to there because Jesus is more concerned about the heart of who we are. Over and over again, we're gonna see this over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount. The more and more he, we are who we are supposed to be in Christ, then the doing comes out of that. The, the being comes out of who we are in him, not, not the other way around. And so we, we, we're in the Matthew 5 and the Beatitudes begin and Jesus sees a crowd and so he goes up on a hill and a mountain and he, and he sits down and his disciples come to him and, and he begins to teach them. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, there's a portion of the kingdom now for them to have. It's not complete, but it is. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Comfort is promised in mourning for those in the kingdom. Blessed are those who are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We, had, we laid out last week this idea of, of meekness, that, that we lay ourselves willingly under the control of God. 
saying that I may have power to do stuff, but I recognize that all the power I have is nothing in comparison to the power and control of the sovereign God. And today is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And it's such an intriguing promise. In fact, this is one of the, the most demanding beatitudes out there, yet at the same time, it's one of the kindest ones. See, because it, it is, it's this hunger and this thirst, as we get into it, we're going to find that, that hunger and thirst isn't just like, give me a piece of bread or a cup. It's, it's, it's life or death hunger or thirst. See, none of us have probably ever experienced that. We don't really need to pray daily, God, give me my bread today. Most of us have lots of bread and more than enough. But this hunger and this desire here is, is this idea that, that, that your life cannot be satisfied by anything in the world. See, it's a constant beckoning of God to remind us that we were made for Him. We were made not for this world. In fact, in, in Matthew, a little bit further in Matthew 6, 33, Jesus is, is people are talking about worrying about flowers and what they'll eat and what they'll wear, and he basically ends and says, look, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek, seek God first. Seek him first and the rest of this stuff comes in place. Well, that leaves you and I with an interesting spot because we still have this hunger and this thirst for things of this world. And maybe some of you, you've been walking with God for a long time, like, I, I, I feel like I, I hunger for him at times, but I just, I, I'm not satisfied. I don't feel satisfied. So let's, let's define these words a little bit and then let's, let's see maybe where we can go with this in our lives here today. The hunger and thirst, this, this word, usually when it was used, hunger or thirst, it was always hungry for a slice of bread. There would always be a disclaimer word or a word right after that, meaning that I'm hungry for tuna fish or I'm, I'm thirsty for a Coke. I'm thirsty for water. There was always a word there that made sense. When he uses hunger for, and thirst for righteousness, he throws that out and he says, no, you're hunger, hungry for all of righteousness. So saying I'm hungry for the entire loaf and, and every piece of bread that's out there. I'm thirsty for all water. Like there's, there's no amount, small amount that can truly satisfy it. But he says in this promise, for you shall be satisfied in that hunger. So this is a desire of, of, of a matter of life and death. Look, if you've been hungry, some of you like, you know, you're, you can't get to the next fast food restaurant fast enough. I mean, I've been there. Come on, like, man, I'm so hungry. Where's the closest place? Like you're just... You can't think about anything else. This hunger surpasses that hunger, and it's, it's, it's life or death. You can't focus on anything else but what you're, you're fixated on, trying to find that satisfaction. And this is the problem with anything in this world, is no matter what, put anything in there, relationship, marriage, kids, money, anything good or bad, or alcohol or drugs or lust or porn, put anything in there, and everything will leave you dissatisfied. Everything will fall short of what you need, except for this thing that Jesus says of righteousness. So what, what is he, what is he define? how is he defining righteousness? Righteousness in a broad sense is the state of a person being who they ought to be. Righteousness means to be right with God, others, self, and the land. It's, it's, it's being what we are intended to be, to be right with God. What Jesus has in mind here is, is conformity to God's will accomplished by God's spirit. It's looking at, it, it, what we're looking at is a desire to be holy, to be like Jesus. So righteousness is, 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 is us wanting to be like Christ. And this is why this is the most demanding 
of, of Beatitudes because he's not saying, you know, you'll be satisfied if you kind of like Jesus. You'll be satisfied if you, you know, you go to church every other Sunday or every Sunday or, hey, you got three out of four this week or this month. He, he says, no, no, you, you will be satisfied if all of you that you are, every bit of what you are in your existence is hungry and thirsty for righteousness. But this is why it's also the kindest beatitude because if you look at the Psalm 42, 1 through 2, it says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. Oh God, my soul thirsts for God. Oh my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. See, it's not those who have attained righteousness that are blessed, but those who are hungry for it. See, it's not like, hey, you'll be satisfied because you now have attained righteousness. No, he says those who hunger and thirst will be satisfied. So that's why it's one of the kindest things. Another way to define righteousness would be to look at these beatitudes directly. If you look at kind of the role of these beatitudes, the very first beatitude, there's, there's eight of them if you count verse 10 and 11 kind of as one. And the very first beatitude ends with theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the last beatitude says theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we see the sandwich of all the beatitudes together between first is theirs is the kingdom of heaven and the second and all the rest of them, they shall, they shall, they shall. Some, some future tense promise. But the first three beatitudes that we talked about are, are poor in spirit, recognizing that you're, you're poor in, in who you are. You're really kind of nothing apart from God. And then, then the, the state of mourning and, and needing to be comforted and meekness, recognizing that our power is useless unless we're under the control of God. So all three of those beatitudes, although they leave you empty, although they're beautiful in, in their state, they, they leave you empty. And they leave you, you needing more and recognizing kind of your, your emptiness. So it makes sense that the, that the Lord, the King, comes in with verse 4 and says, all right, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled or satisfied so he comes, okay, you've recognized your emptiness. You've seen how poor you are. You've seen, you've, you're mourning that state. You're, 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 you're needing the meekness in your life. Now let me fill you. And then the next three beatitudes are the merciful. So those who, those who have re received mercy and therefore are merciful, full of mercy, are pure in heart, are not just peaceful but peacemakers. And then the last beatitude says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. So we're promised that, that we're blessed because we hunger for righteousness because we're empty and he fills us. And then we start attributing righteousness, pure in heart, peacemaking, and, and mercy, and we're persecuted for that. So it'd be easy to say that maybe the context of, of these beatitudes, that righteousness is someone who is full, who is, who is emptied, filled by Christ, and exudes pure in heart, mercy peacemaking. Essentially, simply put, it's, 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 it's us longing to be like Jesus. Righteousness is, is us desiring to be like him. And now here's the, here's the kicker. And here's where we all struggle with this. We can't achieve this on our own. We can't. We're incapable of, of, of mustering up enough strength or courage or right things to do to make ourselves righteous. In fact, Isaiah 64, 6 says, we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment or filthy rags. It's menstrual rags is what he's talking about there. Dirty. So my righteous acts are just filth. Filth. 
I got me thinking, if we can't achieve it, how are we defined as righteous then? How do, how do, we, how do we get this righteousness? How do we hunger and thirst for it? And there's two stories of, of Old Testament kind of heroes. There's, there's Noah and there's Abraham. And both of them have amazing stories, and you can read about them in Genesis, and you can find out kind of what happened. And, and, but both of those men were deemed righteous. They were claimed, they were, they were communicated as righteous by God in Genesis 6 for Noah and in Genesis 15 for Abraham. And so we could easily say, well, Noah was righteous because, you know, he built this ark for his whole life, and when there was no rain, and, and ended up saving a few people so that God could, could re, restart the slate of, of who his people are. And, well, Abraham was righteous because he, he sacrificed his son on an altar, and, 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 and that was why he was righteous. But, but see, neither of them were deemed righteous by what they did. They were deemed re- righteous because of what they believed. See, in Genesis 15, Abraham believed God and was therefore declared righteous. We find out later on, and James puts this all together for us. We find out later on that the, that, that act of this was him working out his faith, showing his, his works because of the faith that he already had in him, because of him believing God. So what does this mean for us? Romans 3, 22 through 24, it's, it's talking about the fact, the whole book of Romans, I was studying it this week with my friend John, and the whole book of Romans basically in 3 and 4 is laying out like, you can't do it. You're on your own. You're, you're not going to make it happen. It's not going to happen. It doesn't matter what your upbringing is. It doesn't matter who, what genealogy you're part of. It doesn't even matter what race or ethnicity. It does not matter. You're incapable of doing it. And then Romans three twenty two comes in and says, but the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe for there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. See, our righteousness comes from believing in God. Our righteousness comes from believing in what Jesus has done for us. A perfect, perfect, fully man, fully God lives a sinless life here on earth does amazing things, gets, gets crucified, hung on a cross in place of me and you and everyone else for our sins, only to be buried and raised three days later to be our rightful Messiah and King. And our righteousness comes from that and that alone. I didn't do anything to earn it. I didn't muster up enough strength to make it happen. All I really did in my life is give Jesus a reason to hang on the cross. So what does this mean for you and I? It's not something we can achieve. But yet here Jesus is, is, is telling us to hunger and thirst for it. Not just like hunger, oh, I want some burger and fries at lunch, but like truly crave this. Crave this like you don't crave anything else. I think there's some, there's some distinctive marks of, what some, of someone that's hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I wanted to talk about a few of them. First one is, is if you're hungry and thirsting for righteousness, there's this immense dissatisfaction with self. And I don't, I don't mean in some masochistic way, like, oh, I'm horrible. You're fearfully and wonderful made in, in the image of Christ, and, and you, you, are, you are his child adopted into him, like Josh was saying, and, and, and you are, at best, your title isn't what you do, isn't what you believe. Your title is, I am a slave to Christ. So at best, it, it, it's, it's dissatisfaction with, with the flesh in me. 
If I hunger and thirst for righteousness, then I know that my flesh isn't what I want. I want less of me and more of him. Next one is, is this, you have, you're free. You're free from the dependence on external things in this world. If you're hungry and thirsting for righteousness, that means that your joy isn't in this next new toy or one more drink of alcohol or this next relationship or this degree or when I get to this spot in my job or this car. You've, you've, you've lost that. You're free from carrying that burden of trying to find satisfaction and fulfillment in things that leave you wanting. You don't need those external things. You, you, you release yourself. You're free from those. And this other one, <laughs> if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, this is f- fairly, I think it's, it makes sense, but I think this is the one that we struggle with the most, and that's that you, you, you crave the word of God. I mean, like, crave it. See, some of us, and this is, I mean, in a room this size, and most of us have church experience. We've been in and around church so long that, that this is just an old hat that every now and then we open up and blow the dust off of it and see if there's a word and go, oh, didn't mean anything to me, and we put it back down. Or some of us, we just go, oh, I know what I'll do is I'll just read this in a year, and we just rip through it in a year and never truly let it seep in or chew on it or, or devour it or wrestle with it. We don't crave to know anything. We, I already know that. I read that verse. We just, we just kind of think that because we read it once that we know it all. Someone who's hungry and thirsty for righteousness craves this, craves the word of God. Another aspect is that you have joy of the things of God, even in his discipline. And this is, that's where it hits us, is that it's really easy to have joy in the things of God. Like, yeah, I'm joyful. I'm here worshiping God. It's awesome. But then when God starts to discipline, because he disciplines those whom he loves, but he starts to discipline you because of choices you're making. Maybe he's, we were talking with Jesus, maybe he's leading you out into the wilderness, into a dry, desolate place to remove false idols from your heart and plant vineyards. Someone who hungers and thirsts for righteousness doesn't go, yay, I'm doing that, that's awesome. But they recognize that in that moment, God is making them more like Christ and less like themselves. And so they take joy in being corrected and trained and rebuked when it's done with grace and truth and the word of God. See, if you don't hunger and thirst for righteousness and someone comes to you and says, hey, dude, you gotta stop getting drunk. Like, I don't know a lot about this Bible and I know I'm not like there, but, but it says, don't get drunk. You say, well, you know, no, that, that just doesn't apply to me. You know, you get hostile, you get mad, you're so judgmental, and you turn it back on them, you attack them. It's not hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You take joy in the things of God. Another one, and this is, this is kind of the struggle in, in everyone's life, is that there's no conditions to obedience with God. And you're obe- you obey him and him alone, meaning that you come to something in God's word and you don't like the way it sounds, you don't justify just because you don't like the way it sounds that you're okay to not obey him. See, because if you believe in God, you're deemed righteous, but when you believe in him, you believe it that he is supreme controller of your life. He's not just some dude that gets to come along the ride that, that kind of gives you a, an insurance plan for death or something after death. No, he's, he's the supreme control of your life. And so when he calls you to obedience, you obey. To hunger and thirst after righteousness is, to be, is a desire to be free from the self in all its ugliest forms. See, the only time you'll truly be satisfied is when you live in the Spirit's ways. 
when you put yourself in the way of that and let him live out, whether it's disciplines or obedience or whatever it may be, that's when you'll be satisfied. Not when you reach a certain spot at your job, not that certain relationship or the grades or the the next kid or the, the new home. All those things, they're good. Trust me, they're good in themselves. But they'll just leave you wanting more. And God, in some amazing way, Jesus, in some amazing way, promises satisfaction when we hunger and thirst for him. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. So what does this mean for believers? I think that some of us here have been following Jesus for a very long time, or we said we've been following Jesus for a long time, and we've kind of just been in and around church, and, and we've, like I said, we've, we've kind of known it. I think where this really, truly plays out is, is, is it's a churchy word, but it's sanctification. Meaning that you recognize that, that I can look like and you can look like more like Christ today than you did yesterday. Not in some way of I'm going to go work this on my own and my own strength because, again, anything I do is, is filthy rags, but anything that the Spirit does in, th- in and through me brings much glory to Jesus Christ and his kingdom here. For those of you that have been walking and been around church for a while, it's, it's recognizing that, that God is taking on a journey to be a part of his kingdom here now. It's not, it's not running from that. It's not being complacent and, oh, I, you know, I, I got my insurance policy. It's truly living this out. It's hungering and thirsting. It's wanting to know more of him, wrestling with scripture, wrestling to live out the gospel, not just being complacent. Those of you that, whether you've spent a lot of time around the church or not, or maybe you just don't or you don't believe or maybe you would just easily say, you know, I don't buy this stuff. For you, hunger and thirst is for the gospel. For you, it's to to actually crave the one thing that will satisfy you, and that's Christ. It's recognizing that, that he is the only one that will satisfy you. You will never be satisfied in relationships You'll never find an identity that lasts in anything else but your identity in him. But is truly hungering and thirsting for the gospel. Jesus said in, math, in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So this begs the question, if you've come to him, and you're hungry, and you're thirsty, and you're not finding any satisfaction, are you hungering and thirsting for him? Or has this life and this world beat into, I need to hunger more for my family or my, my, my job, or start setting these shaky things in the place. You start believing the lie that, that something else will bring satisfaction. We said last week, maybe, maybe you just forget your part in the story. Again, it, we're fearfully and wonderful made, but we're, we're, bond, we're slaves to Jesus. This story isn't really about us. It's about him. Do you hunger and thirst for him? To have found God and still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. Our satisfaction or filling should leave us unsatisfied with anything less than more. See, is this continual thing, what will happen is, is as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be satisfied, but we'll hunger and thirst for more of him. Because once you taste him, you realize that there is nothing sweeter, there is nothing better. 
There's nothing more fulfilling than him. The band's going to come up. We're going to sing some more. We're going to do baptisms, I think. It's this next weekend. I bring up baptisms because I feel like there's some of you in here that, that, that really can look at your life and go, man, you know what, the last 10 years or, or never, I've never truly hungered or thirsted for righteousness. I've always been kind of complacent with just being on the outside and pretending like everything's okay. Baptism is, is, is one of those things that we get to do to show, to show everyone else, to show the, the world the, the love of who Jesus is in us. See, I don't, I don't, I don't get baptized because I'm perfect. I get baptized because he's perfect. I see, I'm, I'm only, I, you know, the most amazing thing is I can stand before God as righteous, but only because of what Jesus has done for me. So some of you, it's, it's, it's time. And I'd say we have a couple that are getting baptized and, and that's, that's fantastic. And some of you, it's, 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 it's time to do it. We're going to continue to push on this. You've been fighting it. You've been holding back. You're like, well, I don't know. I did it once before, but, but I never really truly believed. Or, I don't know. I did it when I was eight, and I didn't know what it meant. Like, renew your vows with God. Make it, make it, make it real to you. Make it personal. Deep and lasting satisfaction for your souls comes not from the delights of the world, nor from a mere religious act, some form of going to church. Satisfaction comes from God to those whose passion in life is to know him in the struggle to be like him in the world presently. So your, your satisfaction comes from him. Do you hunger and thirst for Christ? I'm not talking some like, oh, what am I having for lunch today? Like this craving that you can't subside. That no matter how hard you try to bury it, it keeps coming up. No matter how hard you try and run from him, he keeps pointing to him. This hunger and this thirst. This passion for him. We pray, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, allowing me to be deemed righteous because of adopting me as your child. And I know that I am, am not worthy. In fact, none of us are worthy, but you have, you have called us to be your children. Father, may we hunger and thirst for you and you alone. God, for those of us in the room, whether we're hungry or, or thirsty for, for alcohol or a job or we're running from, from you or a relationship or we're just mad at our parents or, or whatever it may be, God, whatever we're chasing, would you rip that from us? Would you turn it to ashes in our hands and leave us dissatisfied? God, would you, would you strengthen us to be hungry and thirsty for you? God, would your spirit inside of us not settle for anything less than you and only you? Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that we can even be hungry and thirsty and that you can promise us satisfaction. Father, would you please strengthen us and God, maybe those of us in the room that have been running from you, would you weaken us? Weaken us to a spot where everything we turn to in this world falls short. Maybe God, bring us to an utter spot of disparity so that we will hunger and thirst for righteousness and righteousness alone. And forgive those of us in the room that, that follow you, that claim to follow you, that, that continue to hunger and thirst for things of this world. 
Forgive us for, for replacing a insatiable desire that you instilled in each of us with something of this world that will never, ever satisfy. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.